Ellen Saunders and a very pleasant, wet afternoon to you, wherever you may be. This is your host, Bruce Ash. I'm joining you live from my secure underground bunker located in the heart of Coronado, California, again, where thousands of patriots live free in this little village by the Pacific Ocean. Eb is on assignment today. Hey, thanks for tuning in to a special, oh my God, it really is a monsoon edition of Inside Track. Uh, we'll get to the weather in just a second. We have another great show for you today. We'll be talking about Cuban democracy movement uh, with um, uh, RNC uh, spokesperson Paris Denard uh, and also a frequent contributor and friend of the show, Phil Kirpin, uh, joins us uh, from American Commitment to discuss the latest news about China and Indian viruses and a whole host of other issues. Oh, my goodness, it is wet, and the monsoons have really showed up this year, thank goodness. We had a mesquite tree in my backyard crack in two when the winds blew in early Tuesday morning, along with bucket loads of eucalyptus bark debris blown from three houses away from a littered all over our yard. I know it's raining today. I just looked at the uh, at the weather uh, uh, service information, and I guess uh, – uh, we have at least a half an inch of rain at the airport where the official uh, uh, records are kept. Uh, you may have had a lot more uh, in your neighborhood. My good friend, arborist Mike Reddick from Desert West Tree Service, must be enjoying uh, Mother Nature's Fury this summer. Desert West is a great locally owned, family-run company who does super work at fair prices. So if you've had some problems in this um in this big uh, uh, chain of storms, uh, give Mike a call. They'll uh, they'll do good work for you. Uh, my neighborhood has got super hard this past week. The tank of Verde has been running bank to bank. The soil is saturated, and uh, I guess more rain is on the way. Uh, we happen to live in the lowest portion of our neighborhood within about 150 feet or so from the tank of Verde River. So I guess we'll... Um, We'll see just how accurate the FEMA maps are and if I should have bought flood insurance after all. Uh, and of course it's raining this afternoon, continued to, uh, continue, or expected to continue raining into the night, early morning hours. Keep dry, watch out for flooded streets and don't be a dope like my dad was. In a 1964 rainstorm, when he tried to run his brand new Ford Galaxy 500 through a running torrent, uh, a buyer house in Winter Haven and rode, rode the river as his car was swept away into a wash. Hey, insiders, also don't forget to support Jean Fedigan from Sister Jose. The homeless ladies downtown have a hard time when it's raining also. Call Sister Jose Women's Shelter at 520-909-3905 or drop off your gifts at the shelter located at 1050 North Park. They can really use uh, everybody's help at this time of year. Eb and I also urge you to take advantage of the Wreaths Across America Giving in July uh, program. Uh, American Legion Post uh, 132 is involved in this offer to honor a vet and also to help the Oro Valley Post 132 um, fund programs for helping local veterans to sponsor a leaf and to help Oro Valley uh, Veterans of War um, uh, post-132, go to www.wreathsacrossamerica, that's W-R-E-A-T-H-S, across, A-C-R-O-S-S, America, A-M-E-R-I-C-A, dot org, front slash A-Z, 
0011P is in Papa. Anita and Jean will visit us soon on Inside Track. Please give generously. Now, this portion of Inside Track is brought to you by my co-host, Eb Wilkinson, and his partner, Gary Imus from Imus Wilkinson Investment Management, whose baby steps approach to your wealth management is designed so you will never have to solely depend on socialist security. You can call Eb at 777-1911 and let him help you also. Since we met the last time, the Phoenix Suns uh, finally went down. Uh, they were defeated four to two, and the and the Milwaukee Bucks won the NBA championship for the first time in 50 years. I think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar uh, was on that team when they last did that. Congratulations to the Suns on a great season, and best of luck to Suns star Devin Booker, who joins the U.S. Olympic team in Tokyo this week. That's about all I have to say about the Olympics, which is already damaged beyond hope. Uh, about the only thing positive I can say is the Israeli athletes murdered during the 1972 um, Munich Olympics were finally memorialized uh, over major protests from the International Olympic Committee. Before we get to our first guest, and that would be Paris Denard from the RNC, some news to share from, uh, from the past week for you. I thought it was great. Yesterday, the San Francisco Archbishop said to Nancy Pelosi, quote, no one can claim to be a devout Catholic and support abortion. Bravo, Monsignor. Um, that statement is about 40 years late, but still an important message for all Americans to consider. Pelosi, like Biden, supports eliminating the Hyde Amendment. The Hyde Amendment bars federal funding for most abortions. All Republicans must oppose federal funding for abortion. And I will never understand why anyone would support American taxpayers financially uh, uh, funding, ending lives at Planned Parenthood. Talk about racism. Democrat support of federal funding to kill black and brown babies is just as wrong as slavery as slavery was, friends, and it was the Democrats who promoted slavery. Thomas Barack, uh, a close associate of President Donald J. Trump, was arrested this week and forced to post $250 million in bail and bond for release while his case is pending. $250 bond for a crap charge about lobby registration on a Trump colleague is another example of the illegal overreach of the Democrat socialists who are currently running the DOJ, setting up political show trials. This is disgraceful, corrupt, totalitarian, and a moral action by no more than plain and simple thugs. Thomas Barack was forced to turn over his passport as well as agree to location monitoring. This is going to be another political show trial ordered by the current administration, while ironically the president's brother has probably done the same thing and has not been charged with any crimes. On Thursday, KTAR Radio reported Arizona um, Health Director Kara Christ recommended Face masks for kids returning to school. Hmm. Moving the goalposts again. Our next governor must make sure the public is better served in the future. 
In other China virus news, Anthony Fauci accused Senator Rand Paul of lying during Fauci's Senate testimony this past week. But the truth is, Fauci could himself be just about the biggest spreader of misinformation about the China virus, which explains part of the reason why some Americans are slow to get vaccinated. The so-called experts like Fauci have repeatedly bungled message and moved the goalposts, as Kara Chris just did, and Americans are confused and upset with their government. Full disclosure, I participated in the Moderna trials and did receive the vaccine with no, uh, no, no negative impact at all. I support getting vaccinated, but I understand um, people have reasons they don't want to wish uh, they don't wish to get uh, the protection from the virus because how poorly experts like Fauci and so many others have botched the response to the health risk. Fauci's accusation made against Senator Paul is disgraceful and contemptuous. He's supposed to be a public service, a public servant, but he certainly isn't. Go home, Tony. Amazon zillionaire uh, Jeff Bezos rode a suborbital suborbital ride in his Blue Origin rocket launcher this week. He was blasted by Democrats demanding that he pay his share of taxes. If I had $28 million in my bank account, I would have been on that flight also. But what's up with that goofy cowboy hat, Jeff? Gee whiz. Um, Boycott news. Several grocery chains, including Publix, this is a southeastern uh, America, uh, large, large grocery uh, outlet have stopped carrying Ben and Jerry's BDS ice cream products in a protest against the anti-Semitic views of the two self-hating Jews, Jerry Greenfield and Ben Cohen. Believe it or not, but the leftist newspaper Haaretz also supports Ben and Jerry's anti-Semitic actions. My uh, fellow Jews are sometimes hard to figure. Texas, Florida, and even Arizona have passed laws preventing state investments in companies who promote anti-Semitic activities like Ben and Jerry's. Current AZ Secretary of State Kenny uh, Hobbs and 2022 gubernatorial candidate has declared Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani could face criminal investigation in Arizona over their attempts to overturn the election. Wow, that's great. Hobbs has charged that Trump and individuals, including his personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, Arizona GOP uh, chair Kelly Ward and lawyer Sidney Powell, tried to influence Maricopa County officials to stop the counting of ballots. Hobbs cited comments made by Ward towards the chairman of the Board of Supervisors, including, we need you to stop counting, and I know you don't want to be remembered as the guy who led the charge to certify a fraudulent election. What happened to free speech? This is just another reason why Katie Hobbs should be disqualified to serve as a public official on any level. Well, there's lots more news to cover, but we have to go to break, Mr. Producer. Let's take our first break now when we return RNC spokesperson Paris Denard to talk about repression by the Cuban dictatorship. He joins us soon. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. I'm proud to welcome my good friends at Tucson Iron and Metal Retail to Inside Track as an advertiser. Jamie Kipper and her staff are conservation experts. They sell round and square steel tubing, metal plate and roofing materials, as well as new and used steel, aluminum, and stainless steel to ranchers, artists, 
interior designers, roofers, and do-it-yourselfers just like all of the listeners here. Tucson Iron and Metal Retail is open Monday through Fridays, 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. and Saturdays, 8 a.m. to noon. Tucson Iron and Steel Retail, 701 East 36th Street. Call 520-209-1576 or go to TucsonIronRetail.com. And when you do call, mention this ad and receive an additional 10% discount on their already great prices. It's termite season. Fear the blue trucks from Essential Pest Control. Go blue at Essential Pest Control. We'll eliminate those bugs, bees, and termites. And stop paying too much to that national provider. Buy local for great service and affordable rates. Call Essential Pest Control because termites fear the blue. Run for your life. Call for the blue trucks from Essential Pest Control. 886-3029. That's 886-3029. Or check online at EssentialPest.com. Ask not. What your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Wouldn't it be great if political leaders could create that country again? Learn how to do exactly that, one family at a time, with Imus Wilkinson Investment Management. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, imuswilkinson.com, 777-1911, 777-1911. Welcome back to Inside Track. This portion of today's show brought to you by our friends Jamie and Gary Kipper from Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. They have some of the best surplus materials in stock to help you with your next project. And happy birthday, Hayden, three years old. Boy, you're getting to be a big girl now. And a, sh- and a quick shout-out to Eric Rudin and his professional team at Essential Pest. Call Essential Pros at 886-3029 to protect your home or office. These are two great locally-owned family businesses you can depend upon. Eb and I do. So should you. I am very pleased to welcome back RNC National Spokesman and friend of the show, Paris Denard, to Inside Track. Greetings, Paris. Uh, you're blowing up everywhere these days. Does the chair uh, woman uh, ever give you a day off? <laughs> Bruce, you know Chairwoman McDaniel is such a hard worker, and, and she demands that from her staff. But, no, she does not give me a day off. I'm going seven days a week. I'm traveling more than ever. But it's so important because we are spreading the message of our party, and we're growing our party, and, and, and it, it's great. And so I'm actually loving it. But, no, Chevrolet McDaniel is not giving me any time off. She said we have to win win in 2022 and 2024, so we got to have full steam ahead. <laughs> Tell Arana from her friend Bruce, um, you know, she needs to give you a day off every so often. She can't keep working you like a rented <laughs> mule, okay? Um, t- tell her, Bruce, that, tell her. You know, that way it takes – Takes the pressure off of you. All right, so right, hey, right. let's focus. Let's focus on what's going on in Cuba. Um, yes. Where do these Where do these protests start from? Can Can we start there? I think we have to go back and look at the history of Cuban oppression uh, because of the communist regime. And so you've had so many people that uh, are Cuban exiles that have come to America and have a lot of have resided in Florida, and the Republican Party has had such a great um, success with engagement with the Cuban-American community. We've seen uh, a lot of Cuban-Americans become members of Congress and uh, obtain significant roles in the Senate, uh, like Marco Rubio and Mercedes Schlapp, who 
worked at the White House and now is at ACU, the American Conservative Union. Our own Daniel Alvarez, who's our communications director at the RNC, Cuban-American. So we have a lot of examples of engagement in, in how Cuban-Americans have come to this country, worked hard, but fled communism and the oppressive regime there. Let's be very clear, Bruce. Under Castro's regime, they have been very, very uh, uh, harsh in how they control access to information, the Internet, owning property, entrepreneurship, businesses, even music. Uh, they, they, they have been very oppressive, and so they didn't want any outside influence so that the people could get a glimpse or a taste, a feel of what it's like to truly be free and live under capitalism like they have in America. And so when you fast forward to today, where you saw those, I call them freedom fighters, being so brave and taken to the streets, waving American flags, demanding freedom uh, to get the attention of the world and obviously of the Cuban uh, dictatorship that's there, uh, they are doing it because they see that this is their moment to try to break free and try to get the support that they need to have more uh, outside Western, if you will, cop- capitalistic opportunities to infiltrate into the country so that those people can be free. So there's been almost a news blackout, it seems. The, the major legacy yes. networks and the news sources just don't seem to be covering this very much at all. What What's going on in the protests now? We're about two weeks ago. Do they continue at this time? Do we know? Yeah, they are continuing, and you see a lot of growing support in the United States. I know um, there's been demonstrations and, and, and expressions of support from uh, Republicans, especially uh, in the House and in the Senate. And when it comes to um, some organizations having rallies and things and using hashtags to keep the attention going, because you're right, Bruce, they're, from the legacy media, I love that term, they have – actually had a blackout, because what happens is it flies against the false narrative that the media and the Democrats have about about communism and about socialism and about these places, because they're trying to have those sentiments here, because they say, you know, I, I heard some uh, Democrats say it was, you know, Cuba is, is one of the places where there's, there's so much equity and there's not any a separation between blacks and whites. Everyone has the same thing, and they're, they're so equal. Yeah, they're equal because everyone has nothing. I mean, they don't have the opportunity to own anything. They don't have any rights. They don't have any freedom. And so the idea that that's, that that's what the standard is going to be, have everybody in object poverty, then, yeah, then I think that that's something that you can tell. But if you want to have freedom and opportunity, let's give the people opportunities and freedoms. And so the media is not covering it because, it goes against the narrative that these, the idea of capitalism is good, the idea that America is great, the idea that minorities are Hispanics, even Afro-Cubans, are wanting to come to this country and experience capitalism and freedom. Because if you, look, if you listen to critical race theory and all these anti-patriotic people that you see in the Democrat left in the media, they, don't want, to, they want you to believe that America is not a place where minorities can succeed or even want to come or can have opportunities. So to, to highlight what's happening in Cuba will go against that narrative. So President John F. Kennedy uh, gave his speech at the Berlin Wall. He's been ein Berliner. Um, right. President Reagan talked 
about at the same, uh, uh, you know, Brandenburg Gate. He talked about, uh, the, um, uh, you know, the, the, the admonition, the threat to, to the chairman then, uh, of the Soviet Union, tear down this wall. Why is Joe Biden so afraid to go to Miami? in front of what could be tens or hundreds of thousands of Cuban-Americans who live in that community and are flourishing in, in South Florida, what would be the downside unless you really don't care about ending this, this Soviet-style totalitarian dictatorship in Cuba? What would be the possible downside to him having his moment, that freedom moment that those two great presidents did? Well, the downside for him is politics. He knows that the majority of those Cuban-Americans down in Miami are, are, are Republican, are conservative. And so they don't win any votes. They, 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 don't, they don't get anything politically for doing it. Uh, they can't pander to that group because they know that the things that he's saying and the people in his own party are pushing in terms of a socialist and communist agenda doesn't jive well with those people who have literally lived it and have family members who are literally living in it today. And so Joe Biden would have to go down there. Uh, do something that 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 would upset many members of his own party who have not been on the side of freedom and opportunity and, and, and American exceptionalism and have been pushing more socialist communist ideals and principles in this in our own country. On top of on top of that, they were trying to convince Americans that America is a place that nobody wants to come to, that minorities aren't welcome, right. that minorities won't thrive and flourish. Uh, so, so it's not politically advantageous for Joe Biden. And the sad thing for that is that he's putting politics before people. He's been put, putting politics before what the, we, we would hope the leader of the free world, the leader of the United States of America would, would do, which is stand in solidarity with the Cuban Americans who are protesting, who want their fellow family members and friends to be free and, and, and lifted up from communist control. So those white dress wearing Democrat socialists uh, who sat at uh, President Trump's uh, last uh, State of the Union address, these are some of the same people, the same members of Congress who basically are standing up not for the people of Cuba, but for their totalitarian government there, aren't they? That's right. And I think, Bruce, the reason why a lot of Americans are becoming frustrated with the Democrat Party is because they see the hypocrisy. They see the double standard. They see the lack of having a backbone and just being honest and standing up for the people and standing up for what is right. And I think that when you look at that, that, that image of those people wearing white and pretending to be so freedom-loving and inclusive and understanding and, and all those things, and, and, and then you fast-forward to where we are today, I think your average American, especially those who are independent-minded, are saying, well, why, why, why would you not stand up for these people? Well, you, you know, you, you stand up for the Afghanistan translators and those who helped us there, and you want to give them opportunities to be here. Well, that so and that was a fight to- also. That was a fight also, Paris, because you know the Democrats uh, were not in favor of of uh, emigrating uh, a bunch of those translators to America either. That's right. That's right. So this is where this is what we're dealing with. We're dealing with mm-hmm. them having to be pushed and forced into right. doing the right thing. And so mm-hmm. I hope that more Americans will stand up and push the radical elements of the Democrat Party, which I believe are actually the ones that are running the Democrat Party and helping influence the decisions that the Biden-Harris administration make to actually do the right thing. And until we get mm-hmm. to the point where they're pressured 
to do the right thing and stand up against AOC, Omar, and the rest of them, I think they're going to continue to stand not on the right side of history and not certainly not stand up for America and American values. So, Paris, one last question. Maybe it's a comment sure. and a question. You know, there's been a lack of coverage in our media of, of even the protests or and a failure to interview a lot of the uh, leaders in the in the Cuban freedom movement in in Florida and elsewhere around the country. Um, but you know, Cuba is a is a failed Soviet style state. A narco totalitarian state, isn't it? Th- these are people who who are collecting billions of dollars uh, through their narco trading, uh, you know, running drugs through that country uh, while they let their people. I mean, there's starvation in the streets. I mean, this is almost, in some respects, worse than Venezuela, which is another failed narco state. It is. It is a, another failed narco state. And the other thing is that when people talk about the sanctions and things of that nature. A foreign aid, <laughs> foreign aid does not go to the people of Cuba. Foreign right. aid goes to the Castro regime, the communist regime. So, the, so we have to understand, educate the American population about what actually happens. And so, when you put these sanctions, you preventing the Cuban government, the communist government, from prospering, not the people. The people never see the prosperity. The people never see the aid. The people never see the opportunity. They never see the freedom. They never see the access. It goes to the government. And until the government feels the pressure, universally, not just coming from America, we need to have world leaders stand up and say, this is wrong. You all need to stop and change and be held accountable. But that's why you see these failed states uh, happening. And this is why I believe, to your earlier point, why the media and the Democrat Party are failing to actually acknowledge the true nature of what's going on there and try to hide behind it and make up these false narratives about what truly is going on. They're saying they're protesting because they want to have the vaccine. I, you, you, that, that's not the case at all. Right, right, right. Well, Paris and Art, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we, we really do need to keep a focus and a spotlight on what's happening in Cuba. This is 90 miles off of our of our shores. Right. And, um, uh, you know, even, even this week, um, uh, Secretary Mallorca said that uh, – Anybody trying to enter this country uh, on on the uh, seas uh, would be stopped. And of course, he was talking about Cubans who might be able, uh, might be trying to leave that country. Thanks for thanks for meeting with us today. Thanks for talking about this. And let's keep a focus on Cuba. Hundred percent. Thanks for highlighting this on your program, Bruce. Appreciate your work. Thank you. All right, Paris. Paris and Ard from the RNC, major player, uh, and, and hopefully uh, Rana will give him a break sometime soon. Mr. Producer, let's go to our bottom of the hour break. When we return, Phil Kirpin from American Commitment will join us. Stay tuned inside track. We'll be right back. Jamie Kipper and her father, Gary Kipper, from Tucson Iron and Metal, what are they going to see when they come through the gates? So when they come on in, they'll see our building up front. People have free reign to then go out and look in the yard. So it's not a typical scrapyard with a ton of big machinery. We have a couple of forklifts around, but that's about it just to help move material. So when you come in, it's all organized by material, whether it's square tubing, angle iron, roofing. And then there is a pile in the back, which is still organized and easy to get through. But that's stuff that comes over from the scrap. So we're unique in that we get stuff in from the scrap, which a lot of artists and people will like or reuse, whether it's a sink that someone needs for their house. We sell literally anything made of metal. 
Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. Call 209-1579. Stop by the yard, 701 East 36th Street. Open Monday through Saturday. It's termite season. Bugs fear the blue trucks from Essential Pest Control. Go blue at Essential Pest Control. We'll eliminate those bugs, bees, and termites. And stop paying too much to that national provider. Buy local for great service and affordable rates. Call Essential Pest Control because termites fear the blue. Run for your life. Call for the blue trucks from Essential Pest Control. 886-3029. That's 886-3029. Or check online at EssentialPest.com. I'm Eb Wilkinson with Imus Wilkinson Investment Management. I don't ever want you to be dependent on government ever again. I want you to become financially independent. You will never, ever have to depend on socialist security for your survival. We are here to guide you to financial independence. That's imuswilkinson.com, 777-1911. That's 777-1911. Welcome back to Inside Track. Bruce is here broadcasting remotely from Coronado, California, uh, where it's not raining, unfortunately. It'd be nice, but it's a, a nice, breezy, clear day here in, uh, here in uh, California. Ebbs on assignment. Before we get to special guest Phil Kirpin from American Commitment, now is a perfect time to call Corazon Cabinets to get a jump on your next home improvement project. No supply chain problems on cabinets being available right now at Corazon. Joy and Allie have their 6,000-square-foot warehouse stacked to the ceiling with beautiful cabinets ready for your next home project. Call and speak to the design professionals at Corazon Cabinets, 488-2266. On to our special guest for this rainy uh, day here in Tucson, Arizona, for the remainder of the show, friend of the show from American Commitment, Phil Kirpin, joins us. Thanks for joining us, Phil. Great with you, Bruce. Hey, the virus goalposts uh, on the China virus, the, 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 the Indian virus, whatever variants people want to be talking about uh, today, they seem to be on the move again today, aren't they? Well, we've got, uh, you know, we've got this sort of summer season with this virus that uh, seems to be concentrated in the southern states, and uh, it's unfortunate because we're getting kind of the same summer panic that we got last year. Um, instead of saying, wait a second, we've seen this before, and it's much lower amplitude this time, and we've got the vaccines, and we've got better treatments we shouldn't. Instead, we're seeing sort of an attempt to replay the panic of last summer, and it's unfortunate. Uh, the Delta variant, which is the politically correct term for the Indian variant, they're now using Greek letters. I guess the Greeks are the people we're allowed to name things uh, after. But in any event, it is slightly more transmissible, about 7.5% more transmissible than the previously dominant UK variant. Uh, that's not 60 or 70 or 80 or whatever you're seeing in the headlines, but 7.5% yeah. is enough that it is becoming dominant. It's taking over. That's enough of an advantage. And, um, you know, you're now seeing case numbers rise again, not as much as they have in previous waves. You're not seeing really hospitalization or death numbers anywhere near what we saw in previous waves. And you're still seeing the same basic pattern we've seen uh, all along, which is younger, healthier people are at very, very low risk. And now, of course, 
We have the vaccines available for older people and people who are in high-risk categories, and they substantially reduce risk. And so I would hope that we wouldn't have another round of panic or lockdowns or mask mandates or any of that, but it does seem to be happening in some places. The irony of it, though, is it tends to mostly happen in kind of liberal northern places that aren't even really in this wave because they go, oh, no, look mm-hmm. what's happening in South. We'll do that. So it's, uh, it's another weird situation where the actions have more to do with politics uh, than they do with the virus, but that's kind of been the case all along. So there's lots of talks about kids going back to school, having to wear face coverings, you know, supposed danger from the Delta variant. You were just on, I think it was the, the, uh, Ingraham angle, but, uh, Judge Pirro was, uh, was on the show. And, and, uh, you said, I have a quote from, from the show. You said, well, it's, re- it's a remarkable study, not because the results are particularly su- surprising. They found that it's hard for kids to breathe essentially when they're wearing masks. They inhale much more CO2 than otherwise would, and they get elevated CO2 levels in their bloodstream, which is the reason why so many kids are saying they have headaches and other problems with masking. This whole thing with masking for young kids, I have a a four-year-old grandson who uh, is in preschool, and and he and all those other little schoolmate buddies have to be masked masked up all day, or at least they were in this this past uh, spring semester. What about masks on kids today? This study uh, is is pretty revealing, isn't it? Well, I thought it was, but, you know, that particular study was retracted, uh, interestingly, not by the authors, but by the editors, and uh, not based on any valid reason, as far as I could tell, but based on political backlash. Uh, and so there's a lot of groupthink right now uh, in kind of the medical establishment. And frankly, you know, I think, for, first of all, you, you have to understand how extremely low risk this virus is for children, substantially less dangerous than influenza, less dangerous than RSV, less dangerous than driving in a motor vehicle. And, uh, and, and therefore, an unvaccinated child is at substantially lower risk than a vaccinated adult. And that's not because vaccinated adults are at a high risk. It's because it's just it's even lower uh, for a child. Being a child is more protective even than being vaccinated. And so I would wish, I would hope, I would think, I would, I would, uh, you know, logically, there should be no restrictions on children. The argument for restricting children, really, the only one that had any kind of purchase at all, and I, I even thought this was uh, incorrect, but, you know, at least it was based on something. The argument for restricting children was, well, they're going to infect adults who are in the school building or they're going to infect their parents when they go back home. And we actually know, uh, based on a number of studies now, that children will readily infect other children, but they very rarely infect adults. Adults infect children. Children infect children. Children very rarely infect adults. So it's not that it's impossible, but it is very rare. But it's also now irrelevant, Bruce, because every adult who wants the vaccine has the vaccine. So, you know, they've decided whether they'd rather take the risk of the virus or or, uh, go with the vaccine. And therefore, it is completely immoral, in my judgment, to impose restrictions on children, not for their own benefit, but for the theoretical potential benefit of someone else. And so I'm really against kids having anything but totally normal life at this point. I think we owe them that. I think they've had their whole world turned upside down for far too long for something that really, really didn't affect them, uh, that was a much lower risk yeah. to them than all of these other risks in daily life. 
And of course, kids are compromised also. You know, uh, I knew plenty of kids growing up and, and, you know, my brother-in-law, for example, when he was a kid, he had asthma. And gosh, I would imagine wearing these, these face coverings, uh, if you've got asthma as a little kid, it's got to be very, very tough on your system, isn't it? It's very uncomfortable. Look, I mean, the, the thing about the, the thing about the face masks or coverings on, on children is not only is there, you know, very little evidence of any benefit in terms of stopping disease transmission. And in fact, you know, we've now got multiple studies that show slightly higher student case rates with masks than uh, in mask optional. In mask mandate schools, they have higher case rates than mask optional schools in both Florida uh, and Georgia. We've got studies now showing that. And, and there's also data from Brown University as a national database. And so it's not even clear that there's any benefit at all. But there are considerable downsides. Uh, as you mentioned, it feels difficult to it feels difficult to breathe. You get headaches. Uh, there's also a lot of anxiety and mental health problems associated with it. Uh, but the big one, and the reason a lot of countries, including the United Kingdom, ruled out masking children, is it has a huge negative effect on language and communication development. And you can't learn mm-hmm. how to interact with people if everyone's got a fabric covering their face. And especially for younger kids, that has huge potentially long-term consequences. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I've said oftentimes, Phil, that uh, long after whatever physical um, uh, conditions, uh, you know, might have affected the population, the psychological impact of, of this particular virus on billions of people around the world. I sat down with a, with a physician on, uh, I think, Wednesday afternoon, and I found myself starting the conversation with the same thing that we were talking about a year ago, and it was the stupid virus. You know, it's like it, it's, it's in the middle of everything that we do. I mean, how do we move from that? I, I know that some people don't want to take the vaccine, and, and you know, I, I mean, I wish more people would, but, but I get why some people uh, are opposed to it. We're going to talk about that a little more in a second. But how do we get past this, not just from, from, a, from a health standpoint or an economic standpoint, but just from the standpoint of society moving forward? Well, I think the, uh, the key thing is, uh, I believe, we've got to say sooner rather than later, you've got to take responsibility for your own health. And uh, we're not going to attempt to impose society-wide measures to stop the transmission of a respiratory virus. Uh, The truth is we failed even when we were trying. I'm not sure it's something that actually can be done. But we need to make it clear, and our our political leaders, uh, it would help if they would take the lead on this. But, you know, to the extent we can in our own lives, we need to do that. We need to say, look, people need to take responsibility for themselves, Okay. And if people want to accept the risk of getting the virus, or maybe they've already had it and they're immune and they're not worried, they're ready to move on, fine. Other people getting the vaccine is the key moment where they feel protected and they're ready to move on. That's fine, too. But we've got to stop creating this expectation that uh, governments, through heavy-handed restrictions and limitations and mandates, uh, will protect you from a respiratory virus um, because you know, they can't do it even when they try, and they can create a lot of destruction and, and sort of this massive sort of society-wide anxiety and sort of crisis mentality for, for months and months on end, as you pointed out. And I think, you know, this, is, this virus is part of the world now, like flu or RSV or the other coronaviruses or any other, uh, you know, 
part of the world, and, you know, we need to live with it. We can do what we can to minimize our risks, but we cannot put the world on pause or, or block things or, or disrupt things uh, in the name of it. And I, I think we just need to make that clear to the extent we can. And if we had some leadership, uh, if we had some political leadership saying that, that would help. But uh, even if they're still saying the wrong things, we need to kind of tune them out. And to the extent we can for our own families, sort of move on. So Anthony Fauci this week called Senator Rand Paul a liar. Um, by the way, I, I posted that on my Facebook page without any comment uh, first, and it was immediately uh, labeled uh, by Facebook as being potentially misleading information. I never knew <laughs> that 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 uh, merely posting a story uh, that had um, uh, quotes from somebody who actually said what he said uh, would be called, you know, potentially misleading. But but he, you know, the senator called Rand Paul a liar. But who's really misinforming the American public? I mean, the the problem with a lot of people who aren't willing uh, to get vaxxed is they don't trust the government about this. They think that they bungled the message. They think that they bungled the implementation, don't they? I think everything that the government's tried to do to cajole people who don't want – everything they've tried to do to convince people to get vaccinated has only convinced them not to because there is so little trust, uh, to your point, and because they've been so heavy-handed with the demands and the pushing. And uh, they've also – been deceptive at times, saying, you know, it's totally safe for everyone. No one's ever had it. Well, I mean, that's not true. There have been a lot of cardiac events with, with young men and boys. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what you should do if you're the government, you should present all the information clearly and honestly and let people make a decision. Don't act like, you know, everyone must make the same decision you did or, or uh, you know, that's the only valid decision. When you do that, people tend to think that you're being dishonest and they tune you out. And, you know, the, the whole question of where the virus came from, whether it leaked from that lab, um, you know, look, we've got a tremendous amount of evidence now that it did leak from the lab. And the people who think that it was a natural spillover from a bat, they still haven't found a single animal uh, that has the virus. So, you know, they should have found it by now if that's the path that it came from. So we, we still don't know, but there's a lot of evidence that maybe it did come from the lab. And uh, there's no doubt, no question that Fauci was funding work at that lab, that they were, you know, combining viruses in various ways to make them more infective in human beings. The, uh, you know, he wants to say that doesn't count as gain-of-function research using a definition that, uh, you know, his staff created for that purpose. Um, you know, I think that when you change the definition of words to get around a ban on something, that's a pretty dishonest practice. And so I thought Rand yeah. Paul was absolutely correct in that exchange. Um, but, you know, it almost doesn't matter, because I thought Rand Paul was right every single time he's had one of these confrontations with Fauci. And you look at the media coverage, and they just, you know, they they just cheerlead for Fauci every time. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. We're speaking with Phil Kirpin from American Commitment. Phil, tell our listeners how they can learn more about American Commitment and how they can support the work that American Commitment does. Well, you can go to AmericanCommitment.org, and uh, there there are two ways uh, that you can kind of join our efforts. One is to click on the Action Center and send some some letters off to Congress. We've got a few active letter-writing campaigns right now uh, trying to stop the tax hikes and the spending, a lot of the other things that uh, the Biden administration is trying to do. And uh, if you do that, that'll uh, that'll help our efforts. It'll also get you on our mailing list. And, of course, the other way to support us is to use that donate button at the top of the page and send a few dollars our way. Yeah. So um, 
we're speaking we're speaking about the political side of of the health uh crisis in America. Uh Governor Gavin Newsom is facing a recall vote on September 14th with early voting. I guess he's probably trying to get as many votes in the box before kids get back to school and more draconian measures or maybe walkouts or closures of schools are are uh, really enforced by not the uh, school boards or the state com- or the state uh, school superintendents but by unions who are telling everybody what to do. Um, this is a this is a pretty serious problem where the where the unions are calling the shots in so many states, isn't it? Well, you know, the number one predictor of whether kids were in school this past year had nothing to do with the virus. It had to do with the strength of the teachers' union, and it's almost a perfect overlap if you look at the map, where the teachers' unions are strong and uh, where the schools were closed. And uh, you know, there is a lot of concern. As much as he says the schools are going to be open in California, there's a lot of concern that they won't be. Uh, at a minimum, they're going to be heavily masked and distanced and restricted and all of that. So it's going to be sort of prison school even if it is open. Uh, but, you know, the the uh, teachers' unions have moved the goalposts every step of the way. California was probably the most closed state uh, on a cumulative basis over the past school year. Um, there were It had competition from Oregon and Maryland. Those were the two other really bad ones. But I think California was the very bottom uh, when you when you reach the uh, end of the day. And, you know, it's not it, – it wasn't about the virus. It was about union power. And, you know, if you look at L.A. Unified and some of their demands, they were demanding things like, uh, you know, amnesty for illegal immigrants and uh, reparations for slavery. I mean, just it was this crazy left-wing political wish list that they wanted, uh, much of it not even pretending to be related to the uh, to the virus in any way. And so, you know, as of right now, they're saying they're going back, and uh, the, the governor is saying that. Uh, of course, you know, he wants to survive that recall election, but... Uh, you know, I don't know. We'll see if he stands. If the union says we're not going to work unless you shut down this out of the other, we'll see if he can actually stand up to them. Uh, I suspect maybe they'll, you know, close again right after the recall election. That might be too cynical, but um, we'll see. It is, but it is one of the only states that's doing mandatory masking for every school school in the state uh, in California, and he's even doing it in high schools, even if the kids are vaccinated. So he's just, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's going to wear a mask. Is what he. Although they they backed off a little bit because they he originally said if you're caught not wearing a mask you'll get kicked out of school and they but they they removed that they backed off that they said you know that the school can decide what the enforcement is so and there's at least that but uh, I, I wouldn't be very optimistic if I were a parent in California. Phil, let's switch it up a little bit. What's your take on the five percent plus inflation that we've uh, seen here in America, and why should Americans be so concerned about that? Well, you know, the five point four percent is a is a year on year figure uh, for June. It actually understates what we're seeing right now because there was very little inflation in the second half of last year. If, if you look at mm-hmm. just the five months. Since Biden became office, what happened from January to June, uh, inflation was running at a 9.5% annualized rate, and producer prices, the PPI, uh, are actually over 10. So the, the wholesale prices are already increasing at a double-digit annualized rate, and the retail prices are not that far behind. And a lot of the run-up, run-up in housing costs hasn't even reached the index yet because they, it right. sort of uh, is delayed. And so. I think that we are going to see double-digit inflation. Uh, I think we're, we're well on our way to that. 
And the only way we can avoid that is if we have some major policy changes from this administration, because so far everything they're doing points in the direction of higher prices, not just with all of the spending and all of the taxes that they want, but also the energy policy and the regulatory policies. You know, that is a huge driver of price increases because energy is an input in everything. And when you decide you're going to cancel leases, you're going to cancel pipelines, you're going to have a concerted push to make energy more expensive, uh, that has a big ripple effect that makes everything more expensive. So you've got massive increases in spending that are being financed by you know, treasuries being sold to the Federal Reserve, essentially, through money creation. Uh, and then you've got uh, these highly restrictive regulatory and energy policies. Uh, and if he gets his way in the budget, you're going to have a bunch of taxes also, which, to, which will you know, be passed on in higher prices. So everything points in the direction of higher prices. And so I, I, unless there's a major change in direction from this administration, which is unlikely because it would mean you know, reversing course on kind of their core policy agenda, uh, I don't buy this idea that these price increases are temporary or short-term or transitory or whatever they're saying. I think that you know, you know, a year from now we could be looking at you know, double digits. So what you just said about energy costs skyrocketing, it just it seems so implausible at the same time that energy costs have been going up significantly. We all see it at the, at the gas pump every time we fill up. Uh, the Interior Secretary this week, uh, who's an anti-energy activist herself, uh, says that she will ignore a federal judge uh, who ruled that the uh, that the Biden administration had to continue uh, with the oil leasing in Louisiana. Uh, what's the reaction that should come from a uh, from a cabinet level secretary basically telling a federal judge to go pound sand, and and the impact on on our economy is going to be devastating potentially from this, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, you could see you could see uh, potentially a contempt proceeding. I mean, the challenge is that uh, you know in that particular case, the judge says you've got to resume you've got to resume lease sales. Well. You know, how do you actually force an agency to resume lease sales? I mean, they could do some tiny, tiny lease sale. They could set a timeline right. that's unreasonable. So it, it, it's an order that's kind of inherently difficult to enforce on an administration that doesn't want to. And, you know, the, the impact, if, you know, if the ban on oil and gas leasing on and offshore holds, and they bring all the new regulations that they want to bring through EPA. And by the way, they want to do a lot of the global warming stuff through the financial regulatory agencies now yep. as well. So we could see new SEC rules and potentially new CFTC rules and sort of using Treasury. Uh, so we could see sort of a, a, a multi-front attack on the production of American energy. And, uh, and the, the impact will be, you know, what we were seeing, but more so. I mean, look... You and I and most people see prices at the pump go up, you know, 40 or 50 percent or whatever it is over the past year and say, oh, my God, there's a huge problem. We ought to find a way to reverse it. Our current administration looks at that and says, oh, this is great. This is a great start because we've exactly. got to make it so people can't afford fossil fuels, so they'll switch to the things we want them to be using. Yeah, that, that what a great point you just made. So with all of what we've just been talking about the last several minutes, Phil, how long do you think Biden, Biden inflation – might end up lasting. I mean, is this going to be a long-term thing? And and what kind of pain is the is the American uh, public going to have getting rid of inflation? Well, you know, once it starts going and the expectations set in, it's pretty hard to get rid of. You know, you need to you you probably need to unfortunately induce a recession with with very tight money and high interest rates to wring the inflation out. And you know, that's something that. 
Paul Volcker, Paul Volcker and Ronald Reagan were willing to do uh, in 1980. I don't know, you know, I don't know if there's the political will to do that now. The next time we have inflation, it's going to be tough. It's going to take someone who's willing to take an awful lot of political heat for inducing a recession and, you know, rise, raising interest rates and all of that. Uh, I mean, I don't think Jerome Powell's going to do that. So I don't know. It, well, he, wa- he, wants to renom- he, wa- he wants to get renominated in February. <laughs> you know, well, he's certainly not going to do it anytime soon, but I'm saying I don't know that he'll do it, you know, and yeah, I don't know if he'll do it within the next five or ten years. You know, I don't know. The answer to your question is it could be a long time. It could be another decade of it, uh, really, before you have someone with the uh, with the willingness to ring it out. That's why we hope that it doesn't ignite and that, you know, look, I'd love to be wrong. I really hope the Biden people are right and this is short term and, and prices, uh, you know, ease back down. That would be fabulous. I, I, I would I would there's I've never wish to be wrong more than on this, because if it does get going, it's going to be very hard to stop. Well, we're going to have to end it right here, Phil. Again, how do people get in contact with American Commitment? AmericanCommitment.org. Phil, thanks very much for joining us today. It's a rainy day here in Tucson. Wherever you're at, I hope it's a great day. And, and, and come back soon uh, to see us and talk with us. Uh, you're a great resource for us. Thanks so much. All right. Have a good one. That. So, hey, uh, thanks to all of you for listening today. Uh, author Donald Critchlow joins us next week to discuss populism. That's, that's a dirty word to the left. He wrote a new book about it. Uh, Don heads up the uh, political entrepreneur um, uh, uh, unit at Arizona State University. He's quite an interesting guest. I hope you'll in, I hope you'll find him interesting. Until next Saturday for Eb Wilkinson. Uh, This is Bruce Ash thanking you all for joining us and wishing you a leak-free afternoon. Customers come first at Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. A lot of the the cities and counties around have initiatives for artists. I think we're one of the premier artist suppliers for steel. First Saturday of every month, you can come down early and actually go through the scrapyard across the street. It's seven acres of metal. You can walk through with our people and pick out what you want. It's always interesting to see what the artists have done. We've done uh, actually a couple projects with the U of A engineering department and music department where the engineering music students came down together. They had to pick something out of the scrap and uh, they had to build an instrument. And we have one of those in front of the plant. Some really cool things come out of the scrap. Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. Call 209-1579. Stop by the yard. 701 East 36th Street. Open Monday through Saturday. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Wouldn't it be great if political leaders could create that country again? Learn how to do exactly that, one family at a time, with Imus Wilkinson Investment Management. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, imuswilkinson.com, 777-1911, 777-1911.